This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Max Hirschen, what an awesome young entrepreneur. So Max is the founder and director of Megaphone Marketing, the Melbourne-based social media and digital marketing consulting firm. Megaphone Marketing has been running for the past five years now and was nominated as a Telstra Business Award finalist. Max is also the co-founder of e-commerce business Squeak Design and has recently launched a YouTube channel called Max's Monthly Challenge that has gone viral. It was my absolute pleasure to sit down and speak with Max here in Melbourne and learn of his journey and his story to becoming a thriving young entrepreneur. Take a listen. Max, welcome to the Peace Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Great. Um, so, you know, you reached out to me on LinkedIn uh, very recently, actually, um, about coming on the podcast. And when I looked into you and I saw what you were doing, um, all the awesome work that you were doing over at Megaphone Marketing, I knew I had to interview you. So, really appreciate you making the time. My pleasure. Excited to be here. Awesome. Um, but before we go into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Cool. So I just grew up in Melbourne, um, kind of normal Melbourne upbringing, I guess. Um, I, I lived in Doncaster. Um, I don't know if where I grew up influenced me as much as um, just I guess my interests and things that developed from my interests. So I'm not sure if my location influenced as much as just my childhood and things that kind of came from that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. What did your parents do? Um, my, they're both um, like PhD scientists and my dad and mom were working for the government for a little bit. And now um, they're both actually consultants at the moment. Mm, very cool. So how did that impact kind of the career path you went down? Uh, I'd say less their careers and more um, their encouragement of me. So both myself and my brother are entrepreneurs and we were given a lot of uh, self-belief from our parents. Um, So we would just have weird projects and doing our own things and we got a lot of support for that, which I think was more influential for us. I don't know if uh, I ever looked at their careers and thought, okay, that is something that I want to do or anything like that. Um, But I definitely think that their support was interesting to how I... And my brother developed, yeah. Mm, very cool. So I've never, that's actually very interesting that both you and your brother are entrepreneurs. Usually it's maybe one who's just kind of yeah. gone a bit awry and, you know. Um, so talk to me a bit about, you know, what would you do on, you know, weekends as a family, I guess, when you were younger as children? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll just do the standard stuff of um, we did little trips away. We did um, played a lot of sport growing up, um, a lot of socializing. Yeah, I don't know, not, the kind of just standardy things, I guess. Yeah, cool. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so, you know, I want to deep dive into Max, the early years. So, you know, you describe yourself in your LinkedIn as a marketing nerd, um, which I found absolutely hilarious. So when did your obsession with marketing and for marketing start and how did you know that that was the career path you wanted to go down? Yeah, so I'd say actually um, I'm probably more aligned to uh, being a businessman first and then marketing is just something that kind of fell into place. But I think growing up I was like the classic case of um, had a business in primary school, business in high school, business businesses in university, um, just always kind of saw opportunities and uh, followed them. And I think um, – I just became a nerd for business. So like I just started reading every business book, connecting with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, um, reading a lot of articles um, and then starting my marketing company. I had to become a marketing nerd. So I, I feel like I could chat to anyone about marketing for an hour. I really enjoy it. If they've got an interesting perspective, um, I feel like we can deep dive into some really specific things and, and I really enjoy those conversations. So I guess that, that's what makes me a marketing nerd. Mm, okay. Love that. Okay. So you said you have been building businesses since you were very young, very, very young. What was one of the early businesses you built? Um, I mean, there weren't anything major, but I was selling uh, comic books in uh, primary school. And um, in university, I had something called uni party listings where we listed every party and society event across Australia on a website and through social media. Mm. So that way, if you wanted to find an event or a party to go to you could look up by where you lived and what uh, you studied and find similar events Uh, so that was cool and we had like red bull and future music festival sponsoring our website um i think that was stemmed out of just me really enjoying partying and wanting a more efficient way to find good parties um and then uh i had another thing which was a little bit like tinder for facebook events so you could go to an event and make a match before you're going to an event by seeing who are the people going and try to create a connection beforehand. Um, and then, uh, then I started Megaphone Marketing, which is yeah, the thing that I've been still doing today. Mm, yeah. Okay, very cool. So one that stands out, stands out to me there is um, the party listing. So yeah. talk to me a bit about, you know, did you have a team that, you know, was a group of mates who came together and did that? Talk to, us, talk to me a bit about, um, you know, the early idea of that. Yeah. So it, it was essentially just I really enjoyed university parties and I thought there were people that I enjoyed partying with. The drinks were very cheap. Um, it just was like I'm in university. This is something that I want to do right now. Um, and so I just wanted a more efficient way of finding <laughs> parties. Um, I'm very into efficiency. Um, and also just uh, filtering through all these different society events. There's so many different societies and there's different career events and there's different uh, workshops and things like that. And you have to follow different societies. And I found it quite difficult to know what was going on. So I just thought, why don't I just take all of that information and put it all in one place? So it started off as just Facebook pages. And I got a friend involved as well, just because I didn't really want to do it alone. I wanted to make it more fun. It was, it was not really about making money or anything like that or building a business. It was just like, this should exist. So, and it's not that hard to do. So let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And then that um, eventually grew into about 25,000 people on Facebook, liking our pages organically across Australia. And then 
we thought, okay, maybe we should have a website. Um, and so then we tried to make it a little bit more streamlined. And that, that was the first time I'd ever built a website, which was, um, it, I learned a lot. Um, but um, yeah, I guess it just stemmed out of a, a need for myself. It, it definitely wasn't like a super successful business by any means, but I still really enjoyed it. And it was a really good learning experience for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So whilst you were building, you know, that initial business, you were also um, doing a Bachelor of Commerce and Economics and you did a triple major. I found that fascinating. It seems to me, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me like you're someone who, who likes to kind of take things to that next level. So, you know, yeah. you, you saw that problem there with the, the fact that, you know, there was no real efficiency in parties and you were like, well, I'm just going to solve this. And now, you know, with your degrees, it's a similar thing. It's like, well, if I can do with three majors, why don't I? Where do you think that comes from? And do you think it's something that can be developed? Um, I think it comes from, for me, uh, I guess kind of to some degree, my underlying philosophy of life. So I don't know how philosophical we want to get in this. <laughs> Very. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, some of my principles for making decisions is, uh, and, and particularly these days is, well, I, I just want to be happy as a human being. And for me to be happy is living in alignment with my values, um, which means, you know, spending time with my family, friends, being healthy, giving back to society. Uh, but it's also optimizing uh, my life to its potential. And so I am one that is willing to work a little bit harder. I don't even, it's not even necessarily work harder, but try to take uh, opportunities at the expense of, I don't know, free time or relaxing. Um, because when I look at the limit, the, like that life is limited, then I just feel like that's a fun way to exist. And so um, I don't know if that as developed a thought was going through my brain in university, but I was like, if, if that opportunity exists, then I'll just take it. And if it, I mean, for that individual situation, it was, it, there was no additional effort. It was like, I can make all my electives another major. So it just seemed like, okay, that seems like a good idea. Um, so I don't know if there was much of a thought process, but yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Very cool. Okay. So Let's look into, so, you know, you've, you've done uni, you've done your three majors, you've done your business, um, your third business or whatever it was. Um, you know, how did, when did that wrap up? And I kind of want to go into, um, you know, the, the early stages of megaphone marketing once you'd finished university and gone into that, uh, doing that pretty much full time. Yeah. So after uni, um, I went around the careers fair and looked at all these jobs and I was like, okay, nothing looks even remotely appealing to me and the kind of values that I want out of work. Just, it just didn't suit my personality. So I took a year off to become a musician <laughs> as you do. Cool. Yeah, which was fun. And on the side, I was still running uni party listings, um, which was getting some traction. And then eventually I just hit this point where I was like, okay, eventually I'm going to need a career and some money in my life. So Knowing that I didn't really like a lot of the job opportunities out there, I thought, okay, I want to start a business. Um, and so I gave myself a year to try to find a business that could make um, half of like minimum wage mm. by the end of the year. So like very small amount of money, but just, and a lot of time, but just something that could show some promise. Um, and so that's when I started to focus a little bit more on uni party listings, the other business that I spoke about, and, and then Megaphone Marketing came out as well. Um, and that actually came because... Uh, one of my friends was building an app for a company and mentioned that they needed help with their marketing. Mm -hmm. And I'd just done an internship for a music festival doing their marketing and it had gone really well. And so he knew that and he said, hey, can I 
link you guys together and I'll take a cut of the sale, but you do the work. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. And they were my first client and they were really happy and they've given me a lot of referrals. Um, and on the success of that, I got another client and then on the success of that, I got another client. So that proved to be the clearest, um, easiest opportunity of the things that I was pursuing. So then I kind of dropped everything and thought, okay, this is the thing that I want to pursue a little bit more seriously. Mm. Awesome. So, so many questions come out of that. So I want to just backtrack a little bit to your um, stint in music. Yeah. So talk to me a bit about that. It's clearly a passion of yours. Yeah. Um, what, what was your ambition there? Why did you feel like you needed that year? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't take a gap year after high school and and then I went straight into university, a lot of partying, a lot of university. And I just thought it'd be something fun to pursue. Um, I played a lot of music my whole life. I really enjoy it. It's still something that's on the back of my mind that I might pursue at some point in my life, I'm, I'm hoping. But yeah, it was just a year to, uh, you know, we wrote a lot of songs, me and a few friends. We traveled around Melbourne playing a lot of gigs. Um, we won a competition and we had a manager, I think, at one point, and we, had, we won some recording studio time. I don't think we, we got anywhere significant with um, that uh, venture, but I definitely actually learned a lot of principles about that correlate to business through that, about managing a team and having a shared vision and um, having like structure around when we needed to catch up and how we wanted to try to build our, our music career. Um, but it was more just a, a passion and a hobby that was just really fun and I was just open to seeing where it could go. Mm, yeah, love it. Okay, so I want to go back to those those principles. So, you know, you said that you're a businessman first and foremost and then a marketer and whatnot. So, you know, and you obviously had this opportunity that came out of your friend and you took that path down marketing, but what are some basic principles that you would say that you kind of need to understand and know if you're going out there and you maybe thinking about running a business? Uh, I mean, there's so many, but um, some of the ones that hold the truest for my experiences are resourcefulness. So I think you're going to constantly run into roadblocks and at any given time, you've got an infinite amount of things that you could be working on. So not only do you need to create a very good hierarchy in where you should uh, put your efforts, then you also need um, the ability to be resourceful to find a good solution to move quickly through those roadblocks. And so... Um, you know, when I'm starting out Megaphone Marketing, we needed to generate leads and then we needed to close those leads and then I needed to figure out hiring and then I needed to keep staff happy. And um, there's usually a big thing that's kind of uh, slowing down your progress to some degree. And by being resourceful, either whether it's doing online courses or reaching out to mentors or doing yeah, online learning, whatever it might be, but finding out information to get through those roadblocks, I think is critical. I also think that um, for every entrepreneur, resilience needs to be there to some degree because um, you're going to run into a lot of roadblocks and it can be painful to have the motivation to continue. So having a really strong uh, why and having like that motivation to uh, keep going through. And then I think a lot of businesses are built around sales and, and marketing really. And so it's cool that I get to run a marketing company and we do marketing for over a hundred companies. So we know how their marketing works. And so I've developed a really good understanding of marketing, not just for my business, but also for a jewelry business or a fashion business or a pet supplies business or whatever it is. And I really think that that's a critical component that if you can really solve that component, then you've got the, the funds to actually make the product perfect and, you know, 
raise capital or whatever it is, if you can solve that marketing component, then a lot can kind of stem from there. Yeah. Super interesting. I love, I love all these such good takeaways. I'd love to go back into what were some of the early challenges for you in, in megaphone marketing. So you, know, you started out first year or, you know, second year, after, first year after your gap year and you, you know, you, this opportunity came up. What were some of those early challenges? Yeah, I guess first, uh, I just wanted to make sure that the service that I was offering was way overvalued to what they were paying. So I spent a lot of my time just learning. So I did as many online courses as I could and spoke to as many marketers as I could and subscribed to 50 different blogs and every podcast. And I was just keep trying to get these little 1% improvements so that my service would be notably good and they knew that the clients knew that they were getting a good deal so that they definitely wouldn't want to leave and that they would recommend me um, to people. So I think just figuring out how to find all of that information was the first challenge to just think about, yeah, I was getting, you know, a variety of different clients and thinking, okay, how am I actually going to generate leads for, um, you know, an osteopathy or for a mortgage broker? And each one had their own set of challenges. It's not like Facebook ads. You just did the exact same formula and it works. Um, so that was definitely a challenge. And then I'd say for me, for the first couple of years, it was lead generation. How do, how do I consistently and reliably generate leads in a manner that I know and can predict the future growth of my business so that I know uh, I can forecast, you know, how many employees do we need? How much uh, sales staff do we need? Uh, how much can we spend on a lead? What percentage do they close? And figuring out that equation of the business was definitely the thing that kind of made it go from, uh, you know, a nice side business to uh, a, a proper business, whatever that means. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Love it. So, you know, you cl- you clearly, you've clearly got it down pat. You've clearly got the marketing down pat. Give us like, I don't know, well, quick something, something, a quick 101 on marketing crash course. Everyone listen in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd say that I, I guess for consumer-based businesses, um, the way that we think about it is funnels. So um, if someone was buying something, how much information do they need and how much trust do they need before they're willing to make a purchase? So I think a lot of people have the perspective, um, and we see this with clients where they're selling an a thousand dollar jacket or whatever it is, and they just want people to come to the website and buy it straight away. But when the price is very expensive, it's not an impulse decision. And so you need to build up a lot of trust and loyalty, um, and, you know, influence before that person's willing to buy. So it might actually be a one year sales cycle to get someone to, interested in your products to actually purchase that jacket. So your process is to constantly be intelligently moving people through a funnel of his, your top of the funnel information, which is, um, you know, joining the email list or entering the competition or seeing an influencer wear it. And then in the middle of the funnel, it's constant updates about the process of how it's made and why it's better and why it's the, the, the lookbook thing that everyone's wearing this, this summer or whatever it is. <laughs> and then finally, you know, it might be a, a retargeting ad that says, you know, it's 10% off or whatever it is. But I think people sometimes just think about one slice of that marketing funnel and they're just thinking about, they're thinking about it more like a billboard where you just see it and then you make a decision. Um, whereas, uh, you know, with online marketing, you have all of these tools and just in marketing in general. So you need to be moving people through that funnel and understanding where they are so that they're constantly flowing to the right place. Hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. So funnels, funnels, funnels. Yep. Um, just as a recap, funnels, funnels, funnels. And you want to 
almost provide them with something for free to start off with, something of value um, to get them into your funnel interested. Yeah. I mean, every funnel is so different. Um, and, but yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely often the way that you do it. And particularly in the business to business space, mm. you might, there's a lot of content and uh, information and trust that needs to be built before someone's going to actually make an inquiry and they have access to a lot of information these days. So they want to be, you want them to be accessing your information as they're learning about making a decision. Mm. Love it. Cool. Okay, great. So I'd love to go into um, something that I found fascinating about you, which is your YouTube channel, yeah. Max's Monthly Challenge. We were previously we were discussing before this what your current challenge is. Um, so I'd love to just, yeah, just for you to tell us a bit about that. Um, why you decided to start a YouTube channel, you know, yeah. um, and why you decided to make it Max's Monthly Challenge. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess there's, there's it's a broad answer, but essentially... I love learning new things. It's just something I've always done from like learning instruments when I was younger or uh, different sporting things or games. And it's something that I was always doing anyway. So I thought, why don't I film this and make it into like a series where it just shows me learning different things, which has made me so far do things like stand-up comedy, backflips, salsa dancing, juggling with five balls, skateboarding, uh, meditation, uh, and all kinds of other things. And it's been a really good way for me to expose myself to different worlds and try different things. And then for the viewer, um, my goal is to try to create, um, if someone's interested in playing the violin, then they can see my journey and see what they can maybe achieve in, in 30 days. You know, if a regular guy that just does all these random things can pick up the violin and play Game of Thrones by the end of 30 days, then maybe that will entice you to actually pick it up and play. So I want the viewer to kind of put themselves in my shoes to see maybe what they can do. Uh, and then I'm also supplementing the content with just some of the best lessons that I've learned about psychology, philosophy, uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, and it's also part of my way of creating content that I would have loved to see when I'm starting out. I love watching people do challenges and I love the other, like the, the lessons that I've learned. So I'm, I'm just trying to create content that I would have loved to see. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. I, I love the backflip one. Um, I did look through some of these. It was very cool to see. So one huge question I have around this is, you know, you've got like 13,000 plus subscribers. That is huge. You know, so what, what kind of advice would you give to some of our peers out there listening who maybe, you know, they want to start a YouTube channel or maybe they have started, but they just haven't been able to get those, you know, numbers up in terms of their subscribers and whatnot. Yeah. What advice would you give to them? Yeah. So I've really deep dive into YouTube understanding stuff and there's a lot. I, I think, um, I hate to say this, but creating very good content really helps because YouTube can look at your like to unlike ratio, your engagement ratio, and the percentage that's watched of your videos. And so they have a pretty good understanding of people actually enjoying and watching your content. And the real way that most people grow on YouTube is by being a suggested video. So when someone's watching another skateboarding video, my skateboarding video comes up. And because that is my best video, it's now, it gets like two, 3,000 views a day because it gets suggested through YouTube's algorithm. And all of my marketing hacks aside, if it, that video wasn't engaged enough or like people weren't watching it and, and, and enjoying it, then it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. So creating, understanding what content is sticky and people stay around for and engage with 
is going to be really useful. But in terms of a little marketing hacks, you can have uh, a channel trailer. So when people come to your channel and they haven't subscribed, you can choose what content comes up for them. So giving them a really good reason on why they should subscribe to your channel, having a really good channel artwork, having a really good thumbnail for your content. And, you know, the list goes on having some advertising, doing some outreach to collaborate with other YouTubers. There's a lot of different little tactics that can kind of get you a little momentum. But the big thing is really trying to make content that's that's sticky that people stay around for. Mm. Very cool. So, you know, you said you read up a lot about this. Where did you read? Uh, everywhere. So I've done three or four different online courses. That, that's usually the first place I start because there's someone that's got a million subscribers that can monetize that by creating an audience, a, a, a video course on how they've done that. You can buy that for $200 and distill a lot of their lessons very quickly. So you can just move to the right answers in a much quicker way. So that's where I usually start. Um, then I've also connected to other big YouTubers. I've actually got an interview with um, Sean Cannell from Thinkro tomorrow, which he's got 600,000 wow. um, subscribers. And so I'm definitely going to be picking his brain in that interview uh, on some very specific meaty tactics that I can take away from that. I caught up with um, another entrepreneur, a guy called Noah Kagan, who gave me a lot of uh, really good advice. And then I've created a little YouTube mastermind group of people that have a similar following to mine. And we catch up every month to have a conversation around YouTube and what we're doing, what's successful. So just all of that plus articles, plus listening to podcasts, plus everything else. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. No, I love it. And I think what I love most about that is your, um, your ability to like almost create this opportunity for yourself where you're connecting with other people who are similar to you. So I think that's huge for you know, many of our peers out there listening. It's like, you know, starting on this journey of starting something of your own or even thinking about it, getting in a position to, position, you know, surround yourself with like-minded people um, is really the key there. And that's something I definitely took away from what you were talking about. Um, cool. So... I guess I would love to, there's one last thing I wanted to kind of touch on um, in today's interview, which was your, something also which fascinated me about you, which is your e-commerce business. So, you know, you know, as we can all see, you know, Max, you're running um, your marketing business, you're doing your YouTube channel pretty full on, and now you've also got this third business. So, Besides the fact that you're probably one of the business people I know, um, talk to me a bit about, you know, why you wanted to start this business and kind of how that idea came about for it. Yeah. So this business actually, they were originally a client of Megaphone and they had, they said that they were maybe going to raise some money and the opportunity came to go, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to put in the money and be a partner with you. Uh-huh. And so that's how it came to be. And it's definitely a way to kind of put my money where my mouth is to some degree because I say that I can help businesses make money through e-commerce and things like that, but now I can actually have a, a case study that's fully transparent. So we use that with our case studies as well. When a client's coming on board, we can release the revenue numbers and things like that. Um, but then it was also just a way to leverage what I knew works for all of these other clients, but I could kind of more aggressively do it for this client that couldn't necessarily afford some of our more expensive services, but then we could just do them all uh, through my company to help this business grow. And uh, I think, yeah, in the last 12 months, we've more than doubled and I think hopefully we'll keep more than doubling. Um, so the growth rate has been really good since coming on board. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Great. Could you go deeper into that? Is that allowed to be talked yeah, about? What do you want what to were the gro- yeah, what, what, what did it start off at? I mean, just basic figures and then through to what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like dollars and things like that. 
yeah, just I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you don't um, have to give us exact, but just yeah. I mean, it basic. was like uh, low six figure business, mm, and now mm. it's like mid six figure business. Um, in terms of the email list, um, it was three or four thousand. Now we're at eighteen thousand. In terms of the uh, Instagram, we're at five thousand. Now we're at like twenty thousand. And uh, yeah, just in terms of the website conversion, which is something that I think is really important, we were at uh, 1.6 and now we're at 2.7 or 2.8, which means Mm. of the people that are coming to the website, for every 100 people, how many of them actually make make a purchase? And so now it's 2.7% of those people, which means we can spend money on getting traffic to the website. And we know that quite a few of them are actually going to make a purchase, which means we can just keep spending more to get traffic and then, uh, and do that as well. So, mm. yeah. So those are some of the, that's probably the number that I get ex- most excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Oh, you definitely know what you're doing. I love it. So cool. Um, also more max that pretty much brings us to the close of our, um, of our interview here today. Um, but before I ask you our last question, I just want to acknowledge you max for the awesome work you're doing and that you've done. Um, it's always so cool to see, you know, someone else, you know, a Monash garage, um, and someone else from Melbourne as well, who, who's really taken that step and that leap, um, and gone out on your own and, you know, five, six years on absolutely killing it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's super, super, super cool. Um, and I commend you on that and we really appreciate you for it. My pleasure. Yeah. That's fun. Awesome. Great. So that brings us to, um, our last question for today, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the peers project. And that is, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Well, for me, I think that like going back to that philosophical idea we're on earth with a limited amount of time. And for me, I just want to be happy and to be happy is to live in alignment with my values and to pursue my passions is aligned to my values. So it very much stems from like my whole reason for existence. And if I don't do that, I feel very much in, in a conflict to like my authentic self or like um, my values. I, I just feel pained by it. So I don't, I don't necessarily have to do everything I love. Um, and there's some things that I do that I don't like, but I'm doing something that feels like authentic and, uh, natural to me, I guess. And that just makes me happy. So yeah, it makes me happy to be alive. I love it. Love it. Um, and where can people learn more about you and your work? I'd say the best place is the Max Herden YouTube channel, um, or in Instagram, Max Herden or Facebook, Max Herden. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. We will link those up. Cool. Appreciate it, Max. My pleasure. Yeah. Of course. And for everyone listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Piers to Piers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then. If you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.